You're listening to Atlas of Chiropractic, the show where we uncover upper cervical chiropractic care for healthcare professionals, students, and potential patients. I'm Dr. John Stenberg, and with my co-host, Dr. Cameron Bearder, we are your guides to a behind-the-scenes look at the science and practice of upper cervical chiropractic. Welcome back to the Atlas of Chiropractic podcast. Uh, really excited to talk with my guest today, Ruth Elder. And I almost wanted to say doctor there because you've been so integrated into this Blair upper cervical world for decades that you've got more experience with it than a lot of uh, a lot of doctors do. And and from a from a different vantage point. And that's where we're going to really get some some interesting insights today from Ruth. But Ruth is the uh, partner, the wife of Dr. Gordon Elder, who's been on the show at least once before. And, um, you know, Dr. Elder and Ruth are actually the caretakers, the clinical successors there at the original Blair Clinic in Lubbock, Texas. I know the the office building is a little bit different, but they've maintained, you know, an open Blair Clinic for since what, 1952, 55, 49. something, 49. So they're the, um, and, and what's really cool about that is Dr. Gordon is only the third chiropractor uh, to have uh, run that clinic. There have been others that have come and gone, but, um, you know, sort of in the line in the family tree of, of Dr. Blair, Dr. Addington, Dr. Elder, and uh, and now Dr. Al Cobb and others. So uh, really exciting that you guys have been able to carry on the work there. There is, I think Dr. Elder and I talked about this. This is one of our first episodes. Uh, I think it's called Carrying on the Blair Legacy. So if you want to hear the story about how that came about, go back and listen to the interview with Dr. Gordon, because that'll explain a little bit about how um, the elders found themselves in Lubbock, Texas, after spending time in in Southern California practicing there. Um, and so Ruth has a very interesting experience with the Blair Upper Cervical World in that she's experienced as a patient, uh, as a CA, uh, with Dr. Gordon there in the office, but also working next uh, shoulder to shoulder with Dr. Uh, Weldon Muncy, who's a, a legend in the Blair upper cervical community and, and Dr. Blair's right-hand man. So uh, she's had a lot of interesting experiences, you know, in this Blair world, not as a chiropractor. And that, you know, gives us certain opportunities to hear things from from the patient side of things, from uh, the non-chiropractic side of things, but from someone who knows the work inside and out. So, um Thanks, Ruth, for for making the time. You also host your own podcast, which we'll talk about at the end. But yes. if there's anything you'd like to add yes. to maybe the introduction there, uh, let's just kind of talk about how you got into Blair Chiropractic. What what happened that you found yourself as a non-chiropractor uh, into this Blair upper cervical stuff? Yeah, thank you, Dr. Stenberg, for having me on. I uh, I'm not going to lie. I was uh, been a little bit nervous about this. I listen to your podcast all the time and I can't remember that you've had other guests that are, don't have DC behind their name uh, on here. So I'm feeling a tiny bit intimidated, but that said, I feel like what I have to contribute is I have rubbed shoulders with a lot of the smartest Blair upper cervical doctors for a really, really long time. I've, been in the room where it happened. Hamilton was just in Lubbock. So <laughs> in the room where it happened, I got to do what Aaron Burr didn't get to experience. I got to be in the room where a lot of cool conversations have happened, a lot of practice, a lot of heart to heart between doctors. 
a lot of heart to heart between difficult uh, patients and top experts within the Blair field, specifically Dr. Munsi to start with. And now I feel like my husband, Dr. Gordon Elder, who's an advanced instructor and have has years and years and years of experience and completed the diplomate, now is one of the leaders in the in the Blair clinic and I mean in the Blair technique. And I feel like I've seen a thing or two, so I've learned a thing or two. And all I want to do is share some of those stories and some of those insights. So thank you for for inviting me. Well, and the great thing about having something like a podcast is, you know, I wish we could hear from Dr. Muncie himself. You know, there's so many times where you wonder, like, how would how would he think about this? Or how would Dr. Blair think about mm-hmm. this? Or what would, you know, what would they say about this situation? And we just don't have, you know, much to go on. You know, they, they weren't able to leave much behind just because of the time and technological you know, capabilities they had. But now when we can, you know, record and capture this content, it creates like a, you know, a catalog that can keep track of the history mm-hmm. and can bring that information to a wider audience. So I think it's really cool. And, and there aren't that many folks left that have had personal interactions with Dr. Muncie and Dr. Blair that, you know, we can hear from. So pretty yeah. unique opportunity. Yeah. So I, I was started as Dr. Muncie's CA in 1994 and I was the scribe, I guess. I would take notes for him. I would put the x-rays up on the view box. It was obviously plain film back in those days and put patients to bed. And just essentially I was with him in the room all day long for several years. And so I know what Dr. Muncie said over and over. So hopefully I can provide some of that. But your, I think your initial question was brought, what brought me to chiropractic? And I have a pretty extreme story when it comes to health. I was extremely ill and in pain as a child to the point where I was basically an invalid. I couldn't do normal things. I was in pain all the time and sick most of the time and new things went wrong in my body all the time. So every year was worse and more debilitating than the year before. It was a difficult way to be a child and then a teenager and then a young adult. And no matter what I tried from medicine and specialists, neurologists, rheumatologists, all the best specialists. And also I tried a lot of holistic things and homeopathy and acupuncture and even chiropractic. And I had a standard neck manipulation, I guess, where my head was twisted one way and then twisted the other way. And I felt a rush of quick relief but once I got home, I was so sick, sicker than I had ever been to the point where I was completely bedridden for two weeks and I would need help even to go to the bathroom or sit up and eat and things like that. I, I actually was in bad enough shape that I would lay in bed and then if I tried to sit up, I would find myself back on the pillow 
because I would pass out and my head was just exploding with pain. And so I had written off chiropractic. I was never going to see a chiropractor ever. And when I met my husband, who was an American, I grew up in Norway. You can probably hear I'm, I don't have a <laughs> Texas twang. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. I was going to say, if you didn't mention it, that if you're picking up on a little accent here, uh, Ruth grew up in Norway. So, yes. So, uh, so. That's a whole nother story. But anyway, I, I fell in love with this American guy and he was not a chiropractor. He was not interested in being a chiropractor. He had never thought of working in healthcare, but he had had an accident as a little kid. So he had been to see a chiropractor and that chiropractor happened to be Dr. Muncie. And we didn't know that he was the leader he was the only teacher and instructor at that time. He was the main authority on the Blair technique for a very long time. And we didn't even really realize that. But my husband, Gordon, told me, this guy is different. I think he could help you. And so I trusted him. I trusted my mother-in-law who had had severe migraines and gotten help from Dr. Muncie. And his policy when he did uh, screenings was he would never ask the patients any questions first. He would just, he made it a point if someone wanted to tell him, he said, I, I don't want to hear it now. I'll ask you later, but I want to run my tests first so that he could be as objective as possible. And uh, one of the things that I was feeling as I was getting sicker and sicker is I had this pressure underneath my skull. It was terrible pain and terrible pressure. I would have nightmares at night that I had huh. a tumor growing, uh, but I felt like there was something putting pressure on my nerves. And I would tell all these doctors that I was seeing, there's something putting pressure on the nerves in my neck right here. And that I always got the same answer. They would say, no, 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 that can't happen. So when I saw Dr. Muncy, he ran his tests and he said, you have a bone out of alignment right here. And he pointed to the exact spot that I had knew there was a problem with. And he said, there's a bone out of alignment right here, putting pressure on nerves. And that's what I can put back in place and take the pressure off. And tears just welled up in my eyes. And I thought, finally, somebody understands. So and that's, that's so common. You know, it's it's unfortunate how often patients aren't really listened to. Mm-hmm. You know, and and people that are suffering, they're not making stuff up just so they can sit there in a specialist office and gripe about it. You know, I mean, that's there, for there sure. is psychogenic pain, and that's a whole different story. But a lot of times, like these things, people tell us they're clues. And um, I, I wish if you didn't know, people would just say, "I don't know what that is about." Yes. Don't say, "Well, oh, that's not real." And be yeah. dismissive because, you know, the, the, and the cool part about the way Dr. Muncie did things was before you even got a chance to lead with that, he went in and did his testing and screening and said, I know there's dysfunction here. Yeah. You know, we can objectively measure that before I even get any clues from you. Mm-hmm. We will know if you're out of alignment. That's a really, I think that's a really interesting way to start the conversation. Just, okay, I have evidence that there's a problem. So what's going on with you? You know, yes, how is this problem yes. affecting you? Yes, and I definitely did feel cared for and listened to. 
but it wasn't what he he was leading with. He didn't ask me first, and he made it clear why he did it that way, and that made sense to me. It it put me at ease. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so that, let, let's let's talk about how how the report goes because I was really thinking as you were talking about um, being in the room with Dr. Muncie and seeing the things he would say. The next step for for patients and for folks that are listening that might not know or have had experience with an upper cervical chiropractor, usually a consult and examination happens. There's there's diagnostic procedures that are done to figure out what's going on. And then usually on a follow up visit, you receive your first adjustment. The doctor will explain their findings and make a recommendation for you know what the appropriate course of care is. So let's uh, let's go that maybe second visit there, and, and he's you're reviewing the stuff with you. What do you remember about the way he would do a report? Uh, and explain to patients what his findings were. Yeah, so actually, uh, Dr. Stenberg, the way Dr. Muncie did it was similar to that, but not exactly like you describe. Okay. So there was two two different ways that he would do it. So I'll start with what I did, since that's the story we just did. So I I made an appointment as a new patient, and I did the whole process in one visit. Okay. And, and so... He started with the tests, and then I had the x-rays, and then he showed me the x-rays and told me what was wrong. Uh, somewhere in there he took, well, somewhere in there he took the history. Um, I think that was right after he took the x-rays, and then he went into showing me the x-rays and what was wrong, and then he adjusted me. And actually, in my case, he made a really, really big deal because he said, very rarely do I find more than one thing wrong. Very hmm. rarely do I just two vertebrae on the first visit. And he said, almost never have I adjusted three. But I had, he adjusted three vertebrae in my neck all at once. Well, not Interesting. All at once. Not all at once, but one after the other in the same visit. Yeah, so that's how, yeah. that's how I did it. The other way that he would do it, is he would offer free screenings and people would set, uh, would come in for just just a screening. Is this, do I have a problem in my neck or not? And on those visits, we, those were 20-minute appointment, 15, 20 minutes. And, and then they would decide, yes, this is what I want. And then they would come back um, maybe later in that week or the next week or something like that. But... But he did the whole new patient process mostly in, in one day. Yeah, that's interesting, especially because the technology wasn't really lending itself to being really efficient. Like you can get a CBCT in 30 seconds. You know, he had to take yeah. x-rays and develop them. And that's there's time involved with doing those procedures yeah, it took uh, about, appropriately. Yeah, so taking the x-rays took about 30 minutes. And then it took about 20 minutes to look at those x-rays. And he had an efficient process, but there was some waiting involved. But it was also nice to just go ahead and get it done. And he had a good system down and he had done it for a really long time. So I don't yeah. know. I We didn't really get any complaints. I think mostly our patients were just really happy that finally they could get some specialized help. And uh, I was impressed with all those x-rays too. I'd had x-rays before, but not like that. <laughs> right. And and with, with the Blair protracto views, which is our x-rays for looking at the misalignments of the, you know, Atlas on the occiput, 
you know, it's pretty clear. Like it's either there or it's not. It's either forward or it's backwards, right? So the cool thing about the protractive views is it's, you know, you're you're getting a a literal you know view of the articulation. So you can at a glance, if you take the X-ray right, you get the right analysis on your imaging. At a glance, you know exactly what's going on. Yeah. And there's measurements to take to figure out how to correct it. But um, it's it's there's less, I guess, guesswork with that when you get the right diagnostic workup done you've got good information to start with. There's no troubleshooting. It's kind of just get to work and, and start helping. Yeah. So I, I do remember Dr. Muncy showing me those x-rays that first time. And since then, I, I, I helped him develop the x-ray. So I've looked at hundreds, if not thousands of images kind of in the background. But that was my, uh, thinking back on my first time looking at the x-rays. I didn't really know what I was looking at, but part of analyzing those x-rays he would draw pencil marks and he would outline the bones and the edges and uh, and then he'd say well look at this line doesn't line up with this line but they're supposed to be lined up so that's what we're going to do we're going to push this one from here to here and then they'll be lined up <laughs> and that makes you know sense what? to me and, and, and that's a he good did, point for us he, as as upper cervical he, doctors to remember is no matter how familiar and comfortable we are with these concepts or what kind of posters we have on the wall this is not stuff that people are familiar with, you know, yes. this, the anatomy and, and the neurology and all this stuff. So it's slow down, take the time. I love an interactive process like that just to make it, you know, a little bit uh, more teachable, you know, yeah. uh, with the line drawing and such. So that's a, that's a really good way to go about it because we're, we're trying to get folks up to speed pretty quick so that they understand what we're doing, but it's confusing for a lot of people to start out. Yeah, and, and and Dr. Muncy, obviously, he was super smart and very experienced, and he was teaching other chiropractors how to do that. But he never used words like protractive views and articulations and um, convergence angles or any of those words when he talked to his patients. It was just, yeah, look at this line and that line. They're supposed to be even and they're not. And so you can see that as plain as I can. So let's make these bones lined up. That's kind of there how you we go. talk. <laughs> you know what? There's there's beauty and simplicity. And they say like the the sign of a master is being able to teach a complicated thing in, in simple terms. Yes. And really owning, you know, and understanding that and over I'm sure a process of, you know, many years of refining that language, he just kind of distilled it down to like, here's what you need to know. We're going to get you worked on and helped up here. Yeah, I think uh, I, so. That is actually one of the main points that I was hoping to communicate today. So obviously to be a, a doctor in the first place, you study a lot and you study a lot of complicated things and you learn a lot of words that normal people don't learn. And even people who like me, for instance, that are immersed in this field, I'm educated and I know what those means. But when I use regular words that people who have don't have this education, it hits the heart in a different way. So for instance, sometimes I will hear people talk on TikTok or Instagram or something like that. And they will say, well, this patient had this and this, but Dr. Muncy would never talk like that. So he would if he, when he told stories, well, this lady came in and she was a mom of three kids and she had headaches. It was not, it wasn't like this patient. It was a person. It was a lady. It was one of the things he would say over and over was, 
well, what if it was your sister or your mother or your daughter or your son or your grandmother? And that's how he would think, think about people and talk about people and communicate in, in those hmm. kind of languages. And you, and you would immediately feel it. He had this respect for every single person as if they were his best friend or his family member. And so I, I, I think that is something that I'm working really hard with uh, here at the clinic too. And I think it's one of my strengths of being the person that people talk to when they come to the Blair Clinic. More often than not, they talk to me before they talk to the doctors. And I don't use doctor words. Yeah. And, and the doctor words, it's kind of hard. I see, I see both sides of it because on one hand, you know, there's some of this stuff is so hard to simplify, you know, and it, and it takes a lot of time for us to un- create analogies and, and simple language that will really help folks understand, especially folks that are chronically ill. I remember, I forget who, who the patient was, but I was uh, dealing with a lady that had you know, some complex neurological stuff. And I'm talking in my simple metaphors and she just starts going like talking about the neurophysiology. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Like, you know, a little bit about this. And one thing I've realized is some of these folks that are really sick, they've, it's interesting with the internet, right? Folks have, they might not have had the training, but they have access to the information. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of folks will be looking at what is the brainstem? Where is the brainstem? What is the atlas? How does it work? Mm-hmm. How do you adjust it? And, and I've, I've found that people come in with the, some interesting information sometimes, but you can kind of talk yourself in circles and that mm-hmm. just ends up wasting time, right? It's mm-hmm. like, what really matters and, and what really do we have to offer? You know, that bit about, you know, being a mom with three kids, it's like, it's your life. It's your quality of life. It's the way that you experience life. Mm-hmm. It's the way that pain diminishes that and diminishes you as a person because you opt out of life, you know, when you're suffering. And I think if you get to that with people, you know, you can re- you can bring that back in often. It's like, hey, what what how is this affecting your life? I know it hurts, you know, but why does that matter to you? You know, what is the impact? Uh, and And making it functional, I think, is a way that upper cervical doctors can maybe simplify that and make it less about, you know, our technical data and the things that we think people care about. And then just reconnecting it with the things that they actually care about, mm-hmm. and which is, you know, how they are in their life. Uh, so it's a good reminder, you know, for all of us to, to just notice the person, you know, you know, we take care of spines and, you know, people have spines, but it's a person, you know, yes. and uh, it's it's something that us analytical types tend to sometimes need a check on, you know, somebody to say, hey, wait a minute, pay attention to the person. You know, they're yeah. not just an atlas that happens to have a day job, you know. Yeah. And when it comes right down to it, if you're a if you're a mom or at the time I wasn't a mom, I was just a very sick young person with dreams. I had dreams. I had mm. lots of things I wanted to do that I loved to do. And the bottom line is I never knew if I could do those things or not. And most of the time it was out of the question because my body stopped me. And all I cared about was, you know, if I didn't have to think about my spine, that that never happened. But if I didn't have to think about it, that would be a good day. <laughs> yeah. I could just sing or, you know hike or I like to talk to people if I could just have a party and 
be the host and invite my friends. Yeah. That's what mattered to me. Well, that's what matters to to most people, you know, and, and the, the instances like I had an issue where I was getting some physical therapy work done on my shoulder. And it's like, I found myself in the position of a patient for once. So I was like, oh, yeah. this is kind of interesting. And you're exactly right. It's like, I just wanted to be better right away. You know, it's like, I want to live my life unencumbered. I want to have, you know, freedom, you mm -hmm. know, to, to enjoy life without those physical limitations. Yeah. And as upper cervical chiropractors, I think we're so passionate about our work and what we do. We want people to understand it. We want them to know how to help connect others and help them understand, you know, and uh, sometimes we get a little bit too, you know, a little too into our own thing. And and I always tell folks, if I haven't seen them for a while or if, they, you know, coming for a checkup later, if I haven't heard from them, no news is good news. I'm assuming you're living your life and you're doing well. And, uh, you know, that's what we want, right? We don't want you to have to be thinking about your spine all the time, getting adjusted every single week, worried that if you sleep the wrong way, you're going to mess mm -hmm. your neck alignment up. It's like we want you to be resilient. You know, we want you to have that freedom in your life. And that's a really cool thing that upper cervical has to offer. Yes, I agree. It's it just gives people their life back. It's it's the favorite thing that that about my job, just watching life come back in in people's faces, and uh, people people come in and they're really worried. And of course, we see a lot of chronic, complicated conditions. And and the rule is, like my own story, people have been all over and are probably suspicious of, oh, is it not going to work? And it's probably expensive and I'm wasting my money and why should I trust this person? And so, and then somewhere along the way, you see like fireworks in their eyes when they smile and there's a totally different face. You recognize it, but there's life in their face and they're, they're bubbly. And then somewhere after that, they go, well, why didn't someone tell me about this sooner? So yeah. that is my motivation for, for what I do and also why I um, work on, on communicating and communicating simply. There's something else I would like to remind the doctors listening and the students listening is when you have your report of findings or actually in any encounter that you have, and any communication class that I've ever taken have talked about this, that people don't remember what what you say. It's it's you forget eighty percent of the words that are spoken. Sure. So people don't really care about words like cerebral spinal fluid or and um convergence angles and articulations and and things like that. It's it's you think, okay, I worked so hard to learn this stuff. So you want to show it off. But really, what's important is, do you care? And do you know what to do? And that's what you want to communicate. And you do that best with fewer words. Yes, you want to show it. And then once in a while, you have a nerd that might be an engineer or a medical doctor or something that where you can nerd out a little bit. But the less you try to show off what you know and you just do it and you listen and are thoughtful and use regular simple words, I think the better it is. So I think I think we're so eager to to educate people and that we kind of have uh, word diarrhea a little bit. Yeah. And this 
poor person is just sick and they don't yeah. care about they don't care about cerebral spinal fluid or vertebrae or angles or um asymmetry or anything they just want to say can you help me yeah and so so obvious so I think what's more important than explaining everything is tuning into the person in front of you. Who is this person and what do they want to know? And I think so coming from a perspective of listening first is the most important. So, yes, people do want to have answers to their questions. But in my case... It was it was as simple as there's a bone out of place putting pressure on nerves. And I already knew that. And so I thought, okay, well, he's telling me what I already knew and he knows what's causing it. Let's go. That's all you're I already to on know. the same page, right? Yeah, you're you're in agreement right from <laughs> yes, the beginning. Yes, and it was and it was neat to actually see it and but if he hadn't drawn the edges and I didn't care what he called it, it didn't take a long time, like just look at this line and that line, they're supposed to be lined up and they're not. Yeah. No, I, I appreciate that advice because I'm definitely guilty of that. And and I don't know that it's always we want to show off. I think that's a part of it. I think some of it too is, you know, we really do want folks to understand, you know, it's their body yes, and their yes, health and their yes. life. And we want them to know these important things related to how you feel and function now, but why that's important for for now and beyond, you know? Yeah. And regardless of how much time we're seeing them caring for them or how we impact their life, it's like, you know, there's an opportunity for someone to gain knowledge that they won't gain anywhere else. And I yes. do think it's it's a process over time. And as we just continue to educate along the way, revisit the important points, keep it simple, you know, keep it patient centered, uh, do it authentically, honestly. I know Dr. Uh, Dr. Joe Hug, he's my chiropractor and he's, you know, learned from Dr. Muncie and Dr. Blair. And I would ask him questions about well, how do you explain this and how do you do that? And he would always say, just tell him the truth and love on him, man. You yes. know, and he would always just, yeah. after 40 some years of, of practice, it's like, tell him the truth, you know, and be nice, be a good person for him. Yes. It's like, yeah, you're right. You know, they, yeah. they, especially yeah. as a younger doctor, I think I felt eager to prove myself to people that like, I'm good enough to help you. But yeah. uh, I don't even know that they really cared about that. You know, it's yeah, like, yeah, the truth is they don't. So that's, but, uh, so that, but that's why I said, you listen, you obviously want to take that person seriously and educate them, but you have to listen and find out where they're at. And obviously I was hungry to learn more as, you know, proven by what I've done. But in that first visit, that's all I needed to know. And, uh, and so the next visit, I may have had another question. Well, how come, you know, I, I was sleeping better. How does this have, what, what does this have to do with sleep? And then you answer that question. And then somewhere along the way, I went back out of alignment. And so, but why was that? I didn't do anything. And so then he answers that question. And yeah, and then you hit the repair cycles. And then he would talk about the cycles of repair. And then I would hit the next repair cycle and he would explain the repair cycle again. So it's one very, very tiny step at a time. So if you think about it, you as a doctor, you had a lot of college before you went to chiropractic school a lot of specialized classes and it was hours and hours and hours and then you went to chiropractic school and then you may have taken the the Blair seminars and some of your listeners may have taken the diplomat 
And that is a lot of learning over a long time. And that is your life and your, and your profession. But the person in front of you, what they live and breathe and think is probably something different. So if it's a nurse, she just want to be able to get through her shift and without, and do that to the best of her ability. Or mom, you just want to be present with your kids, or maybe you're a lawyer. And so you have these headaches, let's say, and you can't focus on your brief that you're writing or hold your concentration to give a good dialogue. So that's what, what matters to you. And so you don't have, you don't have capacity in your brain for a long lecture on why, why this works. It's like, you just need to answer the question that's important to the person in front of you at that time. And yes, you want to educate your patients and I'm all for that. It's why I have my own podcast is why I've agreed to talk to you today, but people are not necessarily ready for a lecture in upper cervical and how cool it is. They just want to say, okay, can you help me or not? And then, and then at some point when they have other questions, just answer the question that they want to answer to just a little drip at a time. It's not a, you know, if you, if you compare chiropractic school and a Blair seminar to a fire hose, most people just are ready for a little drip. They don't, I'm not ready for the fire hose, just a drip and then a drip, a drop, a drop, not gallons and gallons at a time. Yeah. Perfect example of doing this wrong. I remember, and I've told this story on the podcast before, but I remember doing a consult with a lady one time who was actively having a migraine, right? I'm like, I had to shut the lights off so we could talk. Okay. And she's absolutely suffering, right? And I'm there going like, conventional chiropractors do this and I'm an upper cervical chiropractor. And that means I do this. And I'm looking at her and she's like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. And I'm like, what am I doing? Yeah. You know, like she's not hearing any of this. Yes. She could care less. It's like, well, let's just get to work. I'll, I'll tell you what you need to know later. But like for right now, if your neck's messed up, it can cause your headache. So let's find that out. And yeah. it's like, but you get the stuff in your head. This is what we're supposed to tell people. And this yes. is what they need to know. We need yeah. them to stay, pay and refer, you know, this crazy stuff that you hear. And it's like, that's a doctor centered model of patient communication, uh, not necessarily a patient centered model of communication. And, and people are nice. This is the thing. Like people are reni- nice and they're respectful to doctors. So in that moment, she's not going to stop me and be like, can you just, can you just stop? And like, are you going to help me? Like, what are we doing here? Yeah. She wouldn't do that. <laughs> right. right. Like that, everything in her was probably screaming, like, just shut up and help me. Yeah. And, and I'm not picking up on the clues. Right. Yeah. Uh, so people are nice. And sometimes we don't necessarily get that feedback. So a good way to do this is like, bring in a friend who doesn't know anything about upper cervical care, something that you don't, you know, that somebody that knows you, but doesn't know about what you do, bring them in and just, you know, have a conversation with them about it and get some honest feedback about, did that make sense? Did it not like, you know, what, where watch for the eyes to glaze over and figure out where that was in the conversation. And just, just like you would practice your technique with adjusting Mm -hmm. and look at x-rays and all that stuff. Just practice, practice these skills because they are, just like any skill, like some people might come to it more naturally. Maybe Dr. Muncie had a little bit of a gift with people or rapport with people. Other people might have to work really hard at that communication piece. Uh, but we all, you know, we all need to at least, you know, evaluate our, our level of proficiency with that stuff. Yeah. I, I have a feeling that he actually worked really hard on that, but he kept it very simple. He, um, he would, 
say what the problem he found in simple words. He would tell his own chiropractic story of how he was in a really bad car accident and he had to hold his mother's head shut that was split open and um uh, so he would tell that story and how he was all bent over and um a, a few few days after he got his first adjustment he was walking around with soup like his shoulder blades were back he had a massive spasm for three days and after that he stood up straight and he would tell that story simply and um let's see another thing that he would say uh was uh, that would be actually on the probably the second visit after they had been adjusted and then you know they come in and he doesn't do anything because they're in alignment Uh, and so he would go over to the light switch and he'd turn the light off and he said what did i do and everybody says you turn off the light and then he says i didn't touch the light (laughs) i flipped the switch that's great. <laughs> so That's very uh, cheeky. I like that yes, one. Yeah. So what I personally did actually for a while, I was giving the the report of findings to people that came to our clinic. I was back in California. So, and I practiced on my kids. So at the time, my kids were in elementary school and I would explain it to them. If they didn't understand it, I'd do it again. Yeah, that's a good, that's a, that's a, I mean, I know that there's, you know, research on this topic. I think the average person understands new information at like an eighth grade level. So regardless of who the person is, they're, they're, even if they're an intelligent, you know, intellectual person, they're still not familiar, you know, with, and and I've been in this position too. Like I had a guy uh, come to do some, uh, you know, work on our, our electrical at our house. And it's like, I'm, I'm like, I got to take your word for it, man. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, like I believe yeah. he was doing the same thing we do. He's like, here's the features and here's why I'm using this. And here's what we're doing and what the other guy didn't do. Right. And I'm like, all right, cool. Like how much is it going to be? And is it going to be fixed? Yeah. And like, it's, it's one of those, those situations where you put yourself in the other person's shoes. Yeah. Yeah. They, and then, um, uh, to under understanding too is, there's a difference of understanding something intellectually and then really understanding something with your heart and your, your your being. So I think sometimes when you say less and you show that you care and you speak in fewer and simpler words, you understand it in your gut, in your being, in your... Um, yeah, in your heart. It's like, you know, okay, this is true. I, I trust this guy. He, he knows. And that's sometimes that's enough. Yeah. And we all have that friend who like, there's these two friends we all have, right? There's the one that just is talking all the time, blah, 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 blah. And you're kind of like, yeah, he's always got something to say. Then there's the quiet friend, right? The quiet, thoughtful mm-hmm. friend. And when he says something, you listen, right? It's like, that must, you know, those words are measured, right? There's some, there's some uh, you know, thought to the way that you know, these people communicate and it's like everybody stops and listens because you know, it's going to be good. I'd rather be that person. You know, I think I'm a little bit more on the end of the spectrum of the guy who's talking all the time. Uh, but you know, we, it's, I, I think it's a point well-made and, and for chiropractors listening, I hope that you're understanding, you know, beyond just listening in, just understanding uh, the human part of what Ruth's talking about and, and that human to human connection that is so lacking in healthcare 
especially when you have chronic strange conditions that don't just follow a traditional diagnostic pathway, like a sinus infection, antibiotic type deal. These people are messed up and they've been to so many providers and just that, you know, that human to human connection, I think is uh, something that chiropractors come to a little bit more naturally, but it should still be cultivated. But let's maybe flip the script. I kind of want to know from your point of view, what would you encourage patients to understand as far as the chiropractor's perspective or point of view? How would you help a a patient understand their chiropractor? Yes, that's a very good question. And we hear all the time, especially in marketing and things like that, but, but I've been to a chiropractor. It didn't work for me. And there are levels in chiropractic and different personalities, just like there are in any in any profession. So I will say, just because you've been to a doctor and it didn't work, doesn't mean that there another doctor that, that there's no hope or the fact that 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 didn't work. Even within upper cervical, I will say that. One of the things I struggle with actually personally is to communicate how much you upper cervical doctors work for other people's benefit. So Dr. Blair almost never slept. He would stay up and study and study and study because he wanted to find a better way. And I think upper cervical, that's what I see as a common thread towards all upper cervical doctors that are really good is the problems bother them. They care. You care a whole lot. It keeps you up at night. You think about it. You talk about it. You call your friends and discuss it and you work and you work and you work until you figure it out. And there's so much studying involved. And so there's a, from a patient perspective, there's this dance of, yes, trust your own body and your own intuition, and you know your body body well. But also, this upper cervical doctor is a true expert, and they have devoted their, their lives to study so that you as a patient can have a better life. And take that to heart. And and trust your doctor and come to your doctor and well follow his advice <laughs> because it's it's to your best benefit. So okay, so so something that I've seen too. So working for Dr. Muncy and then now working with my husband who's an advanced int- instructor, I've seen a lot of doctors. Uh, doctors would fly into Dr. Muncy's office and seek um, chiropractic care for their own behalf and then take his seminars and ask questions. And now I see some of the same things here at the Blair Clinic because my husband, um, Dr. Gordon Elder, is an advanced instructor and he's um, he loves to teach and he's got a lot of experience now. So some of the same things are happening again. And there are two kinds of doctors out there. So there's people who come and they ask hard questions 
and then they start, or maybe they take the the Blair seminars to learn how to do the Blair technique, and then they're discovering that this is really hard. It's it's really a lot of work to learn this stuff, and I'm already helping people, so I'll just refer my hard cases to you, and I leave the hard stuff to you. So there's that doctor that just says, "Okay, this is this is difficult." I'll just know that you're an expert and I'll refer my hard cases to you. But what I have seen is those doctors are not the ones who refer. They don't do that either. And so there's, that's a level of doctor. They help a lot of people. I'm not dissing that. Yeah. But but there's a lot. But when there's a hard case, they just go, oh, that's that's difficult. I, I don't know what to do with that. And then there's the doctor that comes and they they want to learn and they take the class and they're learning a little bit and then there's there's a struggle with some of it and they struggle and figure it out and they call again and they come again and they come again and then they, you know, help one more person and then they figure it out. They have a problem patient and then they, you know, go back and look at the x-ray or look at the analysis, call their friends, call their mentors and struggle and struggle and learn and take the seminar again and again and again. Like, for instance, Dr. Lenars, who's a friend of ours, he took Dr. Muncy's classes for 10 years, for 10 years. He would take every class for 10 years. Was he already a good doctor? Of course he was a good doctor after probably the second year. I mean... It's more than most people. It's like, okay, now I've done the primary, intermediate, and advanced. So, okay, so I've got it now. Uh, well, maybe. <laughs> and uh, and so that is the doctor that I want. And there are doctors. So from a patient perspective, so to answer your question, from a patient perspective, there are those doctors who will stop at nothing. They are way more dedicated to your health even than you are yourself almost. it's They just cannot think of anything else until they can find a solution and they're willing to just do anything to get just a little bit better and get better results for you. And then there's those doctors who just go, yeah, I'm helping people and this other stuff is too hard. I don't know what to do with that. Yeah. So, that's great advice. And I think if the only thing I would add is, you know, as a, as a doctor, keep open lines of communication. You know, we want to hear from you too. I think, you know, we're, we're okay with your feedback. If it's not positive, if things are, if you're having a hard time with things, if you're not understanding, like, let us know. I think, you know, that, that, that two-way communication is so important for folks to not just get the best results. Like you could say nothing and get phenomenal results, but to have the experience, you know, and to really, you know, nurture that doctor patient relationship, because to your point, doctors like that are rare. And if you find one, you want to go the distance with them, right? Like you want them in your corner. And so stay in communication and keep those lines of communication open. It's like every so often you get someone who really doesn't give you much back and you're like, how you doing, man? Like, what's going on? Give me, give me an idea of how things are going on your end. And like, yes. w- w- what questions do you have? Like, is yeah. Are things good? Are things not good? Like, give me an idea of, of where your head's at. And, uh, you know, I appreciate open lines of communication. You know, yeah. some folks over communicate with things that aren't important, but, you know, stay, 
uh, stay in communication with your doctors too. And don't be afraid to tell them like, look, I'm not getting it. I don't understand, you know, what's going on or what this is about, or I'm not feeling better. I'm having a hard time hanging in through the rough times. Like, let us know. I think we're all humble enough to be able to, to field those questions and take the extra minute for a knee to knee if we need to, and just, you know, make sure that you're, you're attended to that your needs are are managed. Cause like you said, it's not like we're just going to lay it down and adjust your neck every time you wander in. So let's keep the lines of communication open and make sure that the process over time plays out in a way that uh, is, is beneficial for you more than just the physical front, but is, is something that, you know, builds you up as a person too. That's, that's right. And that's something that I also saw in uh, Dr. Muncy. He had a very busy practice and he would see more than a hundred patients in one day. And so that meant that most of the visits were super quick. They were just that, that, that's why he had assistants there and he would probably spend two minutes or less with, with, the, with each person. And most people were happy with that because that little drip campaign, not a fire hose, but little drips, they understood that what I want is to be holding my adjustment. And so the majority of visits were just that they were checkups. He typically relied on the graph to determine whether people needed to be adjusted or not. He ran, so the, he would look, he would run the, we as assistants would take down the symptoms. And while he ran the graph, he would ask, well, how are you feeling? And they would tell him, and then he'd say, you're in alignment today, or I have to adjust you today. And that would, that would be it. But to your point, what you just said, sometimes he would just realize that this person needs more and he was not afraid to get behind his schedule, even if there was people waiting and he had a full day to take 20 minutes with somebody if they they needed it. I think part of that was going back to where we started to kind of tune in and and realize that this, what is the needs of this person? And if this was my daughter or my mother, how would I treat this person? And so I think asking himself that question for every single patient allowed him to individualize the visits and know when it was okay to just breeze through and just have the quick checkup and when it was needed to dial in and have a deeper conversation. And there was also times where he would even throw me out of the room because he felt like they, yeah, yeah, they felt like they needed to be on two on two. Most of the time, nobody cared if I was there or not. I just was in the background, but well, it's it's no small thing that the work that you did to support him and being able to to run at that level and to see that many people, uh, and and the work that you do to support Dr. Elder and Dr. Cobb and the work you do at the Blair Clinic and then the Lubbock community and in the upper cervical community with your podcast and your involvement. I mean, it's all important and it does it does matter. So even if you're not a doctor, I don't uh, want you to feel that your your impact is minimized by any stretch of the imagination. We we really appreciate all you do to support us. Uh, not just Dr. Elder, but the rest of the Blair doctors and community. And uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to share your heart on this stuff because it's it's unique to have that perspective, you know, to be able to see it from those two different uh, vantage points. And uh, I, I think whenever those things converge, 
I'm thinking a lot about as we're talking, you know, Dr. Ian Bulow says this all the time, but the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. And and that's what I'm hearing is, is that Dr. Muncie was very serious about the way that he cared for people and not in a way that was, you know, staunch and authoritarian, but was open and personable, but very focused, you know, and very attentive and very compassionate and very uh, convicted about the right way to care for people. And I think that's a lesson that, you know, we need to continue to learn and to take with us, you know, throughout the future of chiropractic too. And, and, you know, guys of his generation, it wasn't as easy to be a chiropractor as it, as it is now, you know, it's, it's, it's fairly well accepted now, but there was, you know, he was practicing in a time where there was a lot of antagonism to the practice Mm -hmm. of chiropractic. So those guys had a thick skin and they had, you know, a deep level of conviction. And you put that with the attention to detail and the, the chiropractic technique, you put that with the compassion, you know, and the patient centered approach of what would I do for my mother, my sister, my brother. I mean, that is a sweet spot. You know, that is an exceptional chiropractor and someone we can all learn from and emulate. So Ruth, you have any last words of encouragement or advice that you'd like to leave the listeners with as we wind down? Yeah. So I, I want to t- touch on the struggle, the problem patients. So this is something I haven't touched on, the fact that I have been an extreme trouble patient. Uh, Dr. Muncy even told me that I was the most difficult patient he had ever had, and that was he was over 40 years in. And uh, I have not been holding my adjustments the way any doctor would want. And in fact, every doctor that's taken care of me has given up except Dr. Muncy and my husband has given up on helping me. And, um, and I know that that is very discouraging for a doctor to have a patient like that. But from my perspective is finally, I found a doctor that can help me. And so I have a quality of life now that I could never dream of. I, I couldn't do normal things. I couldn't like go to choir practice some days. And I've been able to raise four kids. I've been very involved in their life. I discovered somewhere along the way that I did, loved, loved, loved to train, phys- do physical training. I became a group exercise instructor and personal trainer and trained to the extent that at the gym, I was lifting just about as heavy as most of the guys. And I got certified in insanity. I've done all levels from like super crazy intense to more, you know, like water aerobics and senior classes. But I just loved all of it. There's, there's no way, you know, the way I was, I don't know that I could even think of having one child much less four. And exercise, I mean, that was just out of the question. And so, and that's despite the fact that I have caused my doctor's grief, like I'm the patient that you don't want because you're wondering why isn't she holding? Why why does this keep happening? And I've still got that quality of life now. So if you're a doctor listening to me right now, don't give up on your on your problem patients but what so what my husband has done in my case he just continues to think how can i do this a little bit better how can i do this a little bit better maybe if i if i if i do this or i do that or 
you just study and then a lot of times it's like no i'm doing everything right so it it it, it could just be that you're the answer even though it doesn't seem like it and then the other thing is you know the blair technique exists because th- there were problems if if everybody were, if all the patients were easy that's when 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 you have problems is when you improve so so that's for the doctors if you have problem patients don't give up on them just work to be better and and keep up the faith and keep up the good work and continue on i think so you asked me to talk from a patient perspective and from a doctor perspective and i have one final piece of advice to both so whether you're a complicated case as a patient like me or you're a doctor and you have miracle cases but then you also have problem cases sometimes you will want to quit but please don't don't quit just keep doing the best you can as a doctor and as a patient know that there are doctors out there who work hard to help you and find someone that you trust and follow their advice and don't quit Hey, we just wanted to say thank you for listening to Atlas of Chiropractic. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. Go ahead and subscribe to the show and turn on notifications so that you're the first to know about new episodes. Leave a rating and review to let others know how you really feel about the conversations we're having. And last thing, check the show notes for relevant links, contact info, and resources that we mentioned during this episode. 